to have you here, and thanks for checking in. Another handsome man named Murray walking by. This is good. Tons of people. Oh, there's Belton Johnson. Conspiracy Kevin was just here. Quick Dick McDick. A virtual cast of characters. Uh, and so many of you. I'm uh, live on location at Agribition, the 52nd annual. And uh, gosh, it is the countdown on. I'm uh, getting ready for the final show Friday of this week, and then I pass the baton to my good friend. And Evan Bray for the Evan Bray Show, which debuts this coming next Monday, and I want you to be here for that. So, as this is my final stop at Agribition, uh, we're talking today, as we always do when the show's on the road, uh, a number of topics not related to agriculture, but I thought it would be a perfectly fitting time to do an update on a story that many people in the ag space have been following, and indeed, even outside of agriculture, the plight or the fate of Bill C-234. Introduced to Parliament, private members' bill, uh, in the uh, early months of 2022, it passed through the House of Commons, which was an achievement, and the purpose of this bill was to provide some additional exemptions to farmers on the carbon tax, in particular, uh, natural gas and propane. So, as you know, in our Canadian system, most bills, they don't have to, but most originate in the House of Commons, uh, three readings approval, they then go to the Senate for deliberation and consideration. And in the Senate, in the Standing Committee on Agriculture and Forestry, some amendments were made to this bill, which have certainly diluted the effects and the desire uh, originally of the drafters of the bill in the House of Commons. So one of the people we've been keeping in close touch with is Saskatchewan Senator Brent Cotter, who is on the Standing Committee on Agriculture and Forestry, did a very good job uh, a month or two ago of helping us understand where this has been in terms of its location in the Senate. And we find in Ottawa this morning, Senator Brent Cotter. Senator, good having you here, and thanks for taking our call. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, John. And just before we talk about the bill, let me extend my best wishes on your retirement for this from this uh, position. You and I don't agree on everything, but your voice is going to be missed, and I'm going to miss you on these regular occasions, both when we talk and when I just listen. Ah, you're, you're very kind, uh, Brent. Thank you so much for that. So the the amendments, the last time you and I spoke a few weeks back, uh, these amendments have been made in committee. Where is this bill now in the Senate trajectory, and, and where does the House and the Senate find themselves? Uh, sure. I think you've given a good description of what the bill does, so I won't speak very much about it. And I think, as you know, and as I've said before, I support the bill in its original unamended form. Uh, when that report came from the Agriculture Committee to the Senate, it had embedded in it one significant amendment. The, co the committee report had to be considered by the Senate, and when that was considered, uh, somewhat unusually, a majority of the Senate rejected the report, which meant then that the bill would be considered in its original form on the floor of the Senate. When that process began, one senator moved an amendment on the floor of the Senate, as she was entitled to do, and the Senate, in a controversial moment, uh, adjourned so that that amendment would not be considered until the next day of sitting of the Senate, which is today. 
So we are at a fairly dynamic moment with respect to this bill. That amendment and quite possibly some others will get considered in the, today and perhaps in the coming few days. Um, it's become, um, as you will know, um, a kind of a larger-than-life uh, debate. The high politics, high-level partisan politics have invaded consideration of the bill, including amendments. My own view is that we need to try to move the high politics to the margins and consider the merits of the bill on its own. And in that context, I think the bill deserves support in its original form. So those amendments, one has been presented, a couple more probably will. Um, I, I think they're being presented in good faith, although some argue that it is a strategy to put the bill in jeopardy because I think as we discussed before, any amendments adopted by the Senate send the bill back to the House of Commons. Both Commons and the Senate have to adopt the bill in its exact same form. And it's a, when it's a private member's bill, as this one is from a, a private member from Ontario, the process for getting that considered in the House of Commons is significantly more difficult. The bill, if it's amended and goes back, there will certainly be delayed. And there is an argument that it will be put in jeopardy. And there is the sort of the overlapping argument per uh, the decision by the uh, the Prime Minister and the Cabinet to do this heating oil exemption. You're now hearing both the Prime Minister and his Minister of Environment and Climate Change saying, you know, no more exemptions on the carbon tax. And this is somehow being seen to be getting swept into that. I agree. Um, I don't think that has proven very helpful. In my view... I'm supportive of uh, price on carbon and the overall model of addressing climate change through market forces like that. But I also believe that it's not, it's not the case that every idea that was initially presented for the climate change strategy was perfect in its original form. And you have pointed this one out as a legitimate modification. It's actually a very small modification, both in financial terms. It'll assist some farmers and some fairly meaningfully. It'll have a modest, very modest negative effect on the environment. But it's good for the agriculture sector. And it's a modest, in my view, and I'll say this in my speech, a constructive olive branch toward those communities of interest in the country that feel that they're somewhat marginalized in the national debate. So those are arguments, I think, on the merits of this specific bill, and that's, in my view, where the debate should be kept. Um, the, the argument about no more on this and the argument about drawing in this as a kind of a litmus test for the whole carbon tax, I don't think are very helpful, and they're not particularly helpful to farmers when it's put in that high raw politics conversation. Senator Brent Cotter with a Saskatchewan senator, member of the Senate Standing Committee on Agriculture and Forestry. So, Brent, let me loop you back to the House of uh, the, the Senate today. Sure. So, as the Senate will sit in full complement today, it begins to entertain uh, these uh, these motions to amend this bill. Uh, are they voted on as they're made today, or is there a deliberative process and a debate period when one of these uh, amendments is suggested on the floor of the Senate? It's a deliberative process with respect to each amendment, so it's unlikely that we would reach a resolution of the whole bill today. The, the, there are a couple of um, awkward technical things in the bill. The first amendment that was presented 10 days ago was to fix one of these 
awkward technical issues in the original bill. And quite frankly, if there were no problem with amending this and not making a problem for the bill, I'd be sympathetic to this amendment. But the jeopardy it generates for the whole bill is a concern for me, and I will ultimately vote against this one. But there will be speakers on it. I, we have received information that at least one more amendment will get presented, and my guess is that that will come after this amendment is dealt with. So we're into, to be blunt about it, a few more days of debate with respect to these amendments. Um, and it's quite frankly, I think, a relatively close call how the, ultimately the Senate will vote. It voted to reject the amended version of the bill that the Ag Committee sent. But um, the question, to be blunt, is up in the air with respect to whether the Senate adopts the bill unamended or not. Well, good luck in this uh, coming few days, and thanks so much, as always, a clear explanation of uh, what the senators are facing, and uh, certainly here, there are an awful lot of people in Saskatchewan uh, watching this closely. Keep in touch, Senator, and uh, thanks so much. Sure will. A pleasure, and all the best, John. Brent Cotter, uh, Saskatchewan Senator. Uh, so it is his desire that this bill C-234, which remedies uh, several issues on propane and natural gas carbon taxes on farmers, uh, the bill relieves farmers of having to pay that carbon tax. It ran into stormy weather in the Senate. A couple of Liberal-appointed, in fact, Trudeau-appointed senators amending the bill to, for example keep the carbon tax on natural gas or propane that's heating barns or any farm buildings. So the Senate rejected that, now is getting ready to deal with Bill C-234, and on the floor of the Senate, these senators will now start making these motions again to keep the carbon tax on. So I know it's complicated. And while Senator Cotter uh, refers to his desire that it be non-political and everything else, Life is political. The carbon tax is political. And what's been going on in Ottawa is political. So we thank uh, Senator Cotter for his good work. Keep up and uh, let's hope the Senate lets Bill C-234 pass through and give farmers the break they need. I'm John Gormley. On location today, it's my final agribition. I'm at the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association booth just outside Exhibit Hall C in the International Trade Center. Drop in, say hi. And uh, we've had a ton of listeners dropping by today, and I am honored by the presence and the visit with each and every one of you. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm John Gormley. (laughs) This is turning into uh, quite uh, a session this morning. I'm live at Agribition, Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association booth, uh, in the International Trade Center, just outside Exhibit Hall C. Okay, so uh, quick Dick McDicks here. Um, A number of listeners have stopped by who I've come to know very well over the years, some of them uh, by voice only. So it's been a really fun morning uh, meeting people who I only know through voices uh, calling the show, some of them texting regularly, coming up saying, you know, hey, I'm Keith in Regina. I thought, my goodness. So we had a good visit with Keith. So as I'm chatting with him, Conspiracy Kevin's by, 
and you'll never believe Jack in Lumsden just stopped by as well. So, oh, what a morning uh, it has been, and I just want to thank every single one of you. Final show, of course, will be Friday of this week, and then... The Evan Bray Show takes to the air Monday morning. And uh, I did say, I was teasing Evan last night because I thought I keep saying passing the torch. Think about, you know, passing the torch is better than passing the baton. Because if I say passing the baton, me running a track, handing a baton to Evan Bray running, it, it would just, no, it doesn't, that's just not a visual that works. So, yes, passing the torch to my friend Evan Bray, uh, whose show will start on Monday. Uh, oh, by the way, the feds, uh, Canadian press is reporting, uh, will be appealing the federal court trial division ruling that struck down their sweeping, open bracket, crazy, close bracket, ban on single-use plastics. And one of the reasons that the federal court justice who heard this case, this is Justice Angela Furlanetto, one of the reasons was that the evidence that was tendered in the hearing before her showed that thousands of different items in the category under the Canadian Environmental Protection Act of PMIs, and this is plastic manufactured items. So their sweeping definition of a PMI involved thousands of types of plastics with thousands of types of chemical makeups and no evidence that all of them can harm human health or that all of them can harm the environment. So sure, if you're concerned about uh, certain plastic uh, so-called flimsy plastic bags, if you're concerned about straws, the things the government has begun banning, and you can scientifically prove they will harm the environment, that's one thing. But the sweeping nature, and of course, you might have figured out by now, when you're dealing with this government, whether it's Bill C-69, the sweeping impact assessment, whether it's the carbon tax, their climate pollution issues, this is a government that would far rather take a bazooka rather than a scalpel when they're trying to deal with things. So, to no one's surprise, uh, Justice Ferlinato struck down the plastics ban. Stephen Gibo, the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, says he is determined that federal regulations must not be rolled back and hence will be before the federal court of appeal and will be making that application. So uh, most of the bans on the impacted items, uh, this was the uh, six-pack rings, this was the uh, plastic cutlery, uh, the drinking straws, those things started to go into effect just this past December of 2022. Uh, and the court challenge was brought by a group called the Responsible Plastic Use Coalition, and that involves plastic manufacturers. It involves a number of organizations that use plastic and import plastic. So uh, the federal government will be appealing the trial division finding, to no one's surprise. Oh, here's another story. <laughs> I don't pick these stories deliberately just to light you up. 
but sometimes it lights you up. So the Canadian Human Rights Commission, and this is in a paper called Discussion Paper on Religious Intolerance, uh, has written, and of course you can expect the Human Rights Commission would say, quote, discrimination against religious minorities in Canada is grounded in Canada's history of colonialism. Now, of course, we were the product of British colonialism and French colonialism, but don't let that get in the way. So we discriminate against religious minorities because our history of colonialism as Canadians. And then they go further. An obvious example of our colonialism and our discrimination is statutory holidays in Canada. Quote, statutory holidays related to Christianity, including Christmas and Easter, are the only Canadian statutory holidays linked to religious holy days. And as a result, non-Christians need to request special accommodation to observe their holy days. So we want to end religious intolerance, and it's important that we understand it, writes the discussion paper. So according to the Canadian Human Rights Commission, you and I used to joke about this years ago, Christmas and Easter will at some point still be observed, but they will, okay, of course they will stay statutory holidays. You think people are going to give up two holidays? Of course not. But we're not going to be able to invoke a religious reason for taking the day off. So Christmas, Easter, colonial discrimination, thanks to the Canadian Human Rights Commission. Uh, Bob Freeberg, Saskatchewan's chief firearms officer, rolling out a series of measures uh, in the coming days on a campaign on gun ownership, gun safety in Saskatchewan. We're going to find out more about that next. I'm John Gormley, live on location at Agribition on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.